Hello, Digital Cathedral family. Brace yourselves for an awe-inspiring journey on Don Keithley's podcast. Take a seat, find your comfort, and let's plunge into the heart of the divine. Here's the profound November 26th message titled, One Life, Two Dimensions. Good morning, Digital Cathedral family. Glad you're with me once again on Sunday morning. Hope you've come prepared to learn, maybe be stretched a little bit. We're going to talk about some interesting things today. If I were to put a title on the teaching this morning, I would call it simply One Life Lived in Two Dimensions. One Life, Two Dimensions. I don't often do this. Matter of fact, I can't, <clears throat> I can't recall the last time I did it. But I'd kind of like to put some frosting on the cake of what I was teaching over the last, well, actually it's been eight weeks. I spent five weeks putting some foundation down about who you are, your identity, uh, the authority that you have, so that the last three weeks I talked to you about the recipe to co-create. I hope you let that message settle down deep within because I want you to begin to, to practice that. I'm well aware the Father may adjust it, tweak it, uh, relate it to you a little bit different, but I think I gave you the ingredients. Remember I talked to you about baking a cake? Got to have all the right ingredients mixed together, pour it in a cake pan, put it in the oven, pull the cake out. If you don't put all the ingredients together, you're not going to pull the cake out of the oven. You're not going to have anything. So I talked to you about the recipe to co-create. So this morning I want to put a little frosting on that cake. I might review... Uh, for two or three minutes when I get into this, I, I just want to bring it together a little bit more. And I want you to realize some things that are going on today that will allow you to enter into that, that place, that dimension of co-creating. And I told you I don't necessarily like the word create, co-create. Uh, we manifest. We bring from the invisible to the visible, the unseen to the seen. Everything that the Father has already created for us and made available, according to Peter, was everything life and godliness. The problem that we talked about is that it is not seen. It's not visible. So that recipe to co-create, I gave you four spiritual connectors that I hope you grabbed onto that connect the unseen to the seen, the invisible to the visible. I want to start over in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. So let me just say again, I might... Might review just a touch, but I want to bring some relevance to that message, to that series that I taught, and I want to enforce it just a little bit <clears throat> if I can this morning. Last verse that Peter wrote, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. And I think this is the one thing Peter wanted you to remember. It's like when you have kids that are big enough to stay at home, you're going to your friend's house maybe to go out to dinner or whatever. Uh, the last thing you tell the kids before you leave the house is the thing you want them to remember. You know, don't, let the, don't open the door to strangers. Uh, don't answer the phone unless you see on the identification it's from us. Uh, you know, there's just instructions. Don't, don't light the oven. I mean, you, you know what your kids need to hear before you leave, but it's the last minute instruction. And here's what Peter said. I think this is his last minute instruction. And I take this seriously. He said, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now 
both now and forevermore. So notice what he said. He said, I want you to grow in the grace and the knowledge. Grow in grace and knowledge. And it seems like the more we understand, the more knowledge we get, the more revelation we get about Jesus and what he came to fully 100% accomplish for every human being on the planet, the more we understand we function in grace. The message of Peter, I think, is to say, look, this is a journey. This is a progressive walk. It's, he might say, going from glory to glory. Um, Paul would call it living now until the ages to come. And as we unwind this and we begin to live in it, we see that there are some very powerful tr kingdom truths today that are becoming, I believe, culture changers. As we develop them, as we develop that recipe to co-create, I think that's a culture changer. When you, when you are able, as Jesus was, to pull the coin out of the fish's mouth, to bring from the unseen to the seen to pay his taxes or to feed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish, he was functioning in that. He was living one life in two, in two dimensions. So today we're seeing tremendous change to the spiritual landscape going on in our world. We're and you and I are bringing about that change. Things we study and talk about at the Digital Cathedral and teach, and now at the Now Network, but I'm beginning at a very basic level over there. So if you go over and watch, it's 1130 Central at the Now Television Network. I'm starting really basic, really fundamental, because I'm the only... I'm the only dude over there that's teaching this radical hyper grace message. Everybody else's word of faith or they, you know, they scream and holler. Uh, I don't do any of that. And I'm not a word of faith teacher, but I do want to carry a message over there. It's a mission field to me. It's a missions outreach. And so thank you for those of you that are helping me to fund that missions outreach. I got expenses I never had before for airtime, production, editing, all that kind of thing that you have to do to be on a television network. So I'm, I'm laying some foundation. And maybe if I'm still there for a year or two, they haven't put me off the channel, that we'll get over there into some of the things we talk about here. But then here, we're already going to be way down the road from where they're at. They're always going to be behind a little bit. But there are some radical changes that are going on in our world today, and you are a, a reformer. You're a cutting-edge follower of the Christ that lives within you, and there's some things going on. Let me just highlight three, four things so that as you see these transpire, you'll know, hey, I'm right in the groove. I'm right in the flow of what's going on today. First thing that I see really going on today is that we're learning how to walk in the Spirit. I used to hear a lot of teaching about that, walking in spirit, and that's the need to walk in the spirit. But no, nobody ever really gave me, uh, and I never really, and I taught probably back in my church days, my pastoring days in the building, I probably taught on walking in the spirit, and I, I can't remember, I probably had three, four steps to do it. But here, let me cut to the, to the chase on that issue. I'm going to have to move pretty quick this morning, because I got a lot of ground to cover. Walking in the Spirit is not a complicated thing. It's simply moving from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where you live by your five physical senses, by the data that is fed to your brain, by the circumstances that are going on around you, and you move to the tree of life, which is a simple tree of response to the voice that is within. We're learning to do that. We've moved trees. We don't give the tree of the knowledge of good and evil uh, a lot of attention. I, I observe, I know what's going on in my world, I know what's going on in my life, but that's not the source that I draw from, which feeds into the recipe to co-create. 
Second thing that's going on today is we're learning that we're living in the kingdom now. The kingdom is not off out yonder someplace where you walk into it when you come through the pearly gates or uh, you're looking for Jesus to come back on a white horse with a sword in his hand, slaying multitudes of people and ushering in the kingdom, coming back as a roaring lion, went out as a lamb, coming back as a lion to usher in the kingdom. That's the kingdom is now. It's here today. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. If it was something way out there past present time or was something that Jesus was just alluding to that we would enter when we die, he wouldn't say seek it first now. And, and here's, the, here's the promise. And this again feeds into our co-creating. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. The kingdom of God's invisible. It's part of that, what we called above the line. If you didn't listen to the last three teachings, go back and listen to it. Above the line. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. And I think the, the third thing that really is being emphasized today is we're making the finished work of Jesus at the cross, which affected all humanity. If you think Adam affected all humanity, then I have to tell you that last Adam uh, affected humanity far beyond what first Adam did. So what we're seeing today is that the gospel is not an invitation. We've made it an invitation. My days of inviting people to come to Jesus are over. My, my message now is a proclamation, and that's what's happening around the world. We're starting to proclaim the good news of what he has fully accomplished for us. John the Baptist said, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. That's, that's a proclamation. That's not an invitation. That's telling it like it is. That's setting out the, the kingdom of God and letting people know that we are proclaiming the good news. Now, you can live in it, not live in it, choose to be part of it or not part of it, but it doesn't change the fact that you are living in the kingdom now today. And the fourth thing that I see going on, which is very, very powerful, very relevant, we talk a lot about it here at the Digital Cathedral, I'm seeing that there is coming and is now present in an unfolding manner, a manifestation of the sons, manifestation of the daughters. And as we manifest, we're bringing into visibility an ever-increasing clarity of who Jesus is, what the message was, what the mission was, what he's empowered us to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says, We with an unveiled face behold it. That unveiled, that means there's nothing blocking. You can see, you're seeing it with clarity. Behold us with an unveiled face. We're, we're seeing in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And as we see that image in clarity, the end of the verse says we are being changed into the same image from glory to glory. So again, as Peter said, this is a journey, growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're, you're on a journey, and, and, and part of that journey is manifesting as a son of God. And so as you just live this message out, you don't have to sweat, you don't have to try to toil, you're not trying to to uh, earn, you're not trying to um, do something to show it, and you're just living it. You're resting in the message, you're resting in his presence. So when we manifest as sons and daughters of God, we're bringing an absolute clarity to who Jesus is. And we're learning to live out uh, what John said to be as he is in this present world. I am not the only begotten son. 
I am a son of God. Uh, so I, there, there is a union that I have with, with the Christ, with distinction. We're learning to live as he is in this present world. And the third thing that comes as we manifest as the sons and daughters of God might be the most important. And that is that we are carrying this message of reconciliation. God's not mad at us, <laughs> never was mad at us. That was a God that was created in the mind of Adam and passed down from generation to generation until we made, made God more like Zeus than Jesus, made him more like Molech, the child sacrificer that threw the children as a sacrifice into the fire. That's, that's the God that we created. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says that God was in Christ the entire time. He was in Christ when Jesus hung on the cross. He wasn't separated. He didn't forsake Jesus, didn't turn his back on Jesus. I know what they told you down at the church house. They taught you, it's called penal substitution theory of atonement. And basically it says that, that the father beat the bejabbers out of Jesus so he didn't have to beat the bejabbers out of you. That's a false teaching. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says that God was in Christ. He was with Jesus as he hung on the cross. And he was doing one specific thing. That verse says he was reconciling the world to himself, the entire cosmos. Everything that was out of disorder, that was not functioning to the perfection that God created it to function. He reconciled it. And then the last part of that verse, I mean, it really, it really is a, a gut punch to religion. He said, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. That just lifts a load off of our shoulders. He's not counting your sins or your evil deeds. He's not counting that against you. Now, does that mean if you rob a bank, uh, there's no repercussion? Of course there is. Wages of sin is death or a sense of separation. So you rob a bank, you're going to prison. Does that affect God's reconciliation and love for you? Absolutely not. And so that's what we need to proclaim. People have never heard that. They've heard talking out of the both sides of their mouth. They go to church and out of one side of his mouth, the pastor says your sins, past, present, and future have all been forgiven. Then out of the other side of his mouth, he says, 1 John 1, 9, if you don't confess your sins, he will not forgive your sins. You have to confess them in order to be forgiven. But he has forgiven all sins, past, present, and future. So you're proclaiming the message of reconciliation is of utmost importance today to release people from that mindset, to release people from that bondage, to release them from all the garbage that has been imputed or put into them in all their years that were in the church. So these three, four things, walking in the spirit, living in the kingdom now, making the gospel a proclamation, uh, uh, manifesting in sons and daughters, those things are built and will get stronger and stronger as we build on this foundation of grace that Peter said we will grow in. We will grow in it. So it's built on this foundation of, of, of grace, <clears throat> a revelation of things. Uh, I think the first thing that is really powerful that's been revealed to us is our authentic identity. So as you, as you get your authentic identity down as likeness, image of God, never changed, always is, you're learning that, you're seeing it with clarity, the authentic identity and the grace, as I said, with no mixture of law, no, no hoop jumping, 
uh, whether it's the laws that Moses perpetuated or the laws they made up down at the Free Will Baptist Church or the United Pentecostal Church. Paul taught a grace that was apart from them. Which, by the way, if you haven't gotten my latest book on the book of Galatians, you need to pick that baby up. I really unwind this hyper uh, grace, radical grace message that Paul brought to light. And it was so well presented by Paul in the book of Galatians. You need to get that. So these things are built on authentic identity of, of grace, of the uh, universality of the fatherhood of God. One God above all, through all, and is in all. He's everybody's daddy. Ain't nobody left out. Includes everybody. Uh, I think the fourth thing is his unconditional love. We're just learning to bask in that, enjoy it. He loves us without conditions, without anything that we have to do. It just runs on a one-way street, I like to say, from the heart of the Father, direct deposited into your life. It's always there. We're just learning to explore. We're learning to enjoy it. And I think the inclusion of everybody is extremely important. We know nobody after the flesh. Uh, there's no insiders, outsiders. There's nobody, we got it, you don't have it. None of that that's going on. And this is all foundation that you can walk in as a manifested son of God, learning to walk in the spirit, making a gospel proclamation. And probably the last thing that is foundational to this is understanding that God's mercy endures forever. It doesn't end at your lifetime. There's no time with God. His will will be fulfilled to the ultimate perfection no matter how long it takes. He lives outside of time. I said all that. That's my introduction. I've said all that to say this. We're learning, as it's apparent in the life of Jesus, we're learning the same thing also, that we are living one life in two dimensions. And we're going to become extremely proficient as time goes along to move in between those two dimensions. Now I'm going to ex explore that with you in just a minute. The more we develop our understanding, the more we're going to be able to shift from one dimension to the other. It's part of what Peter said, growing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're at a, at a place, I think, in our sonship development. We're in our place we're in a place uh, with the walk that we're, we're really learning to enjoy where we're going to examine, and I wanted to beef up a little bit some of the things I taught the last, really the last eight weeks. I want to beef it up, and I want you to get a, a, some clarity of understanding. We're learning to live one life in two dimensions. Paul said it like this. We look not at the things that are seen. That's not where our focus is. Our focus is on the kingdom. You don't see the kingdom. It's not visible. It doesn't mean it's not real. Just because something is not seen, not visible, does not mean it's not real. In fact, that's the more, more powerful of the two dimensions, the seen and the unseen. Paul said we don't look at the things that are seen. We look at the things that are not seen, which is, which is by faith. faith. Everything you see was created from what you don't see. Faith is the substance. It is the evidence of that dimension that you don't see. You don't hope for it anymore. You, you, you one time had hope. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, past tense. Faith has a hold of it. And that's how we live. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul said, for we live by, by faith and we don't live by sight. 
So those, there's two realms, two dimensions, two kingdoms. And both of them are true. The, 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 the seen and the temporary is true. I mean, you can look around. That's the real world we live in. But the unseen is just as real, maybe more real. More real. So it also tells us, Paul also tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.18, which dimension to focus on. We don't look at the things that are seen. People, people that look at the things that are seen, they live this up and down experience, even believers. They get pulled away by circumstance. I see it all the time on Facebook. People say, pray for me. I'm going through stuff. I'm going through struggles. That's all in the seen realm. He tells us to focus uh, on the unseen. He says, place your priorities on the unseen. So we're just now beginning to enter into that verse, which puts us at the tree of life, the tree of responding to what the Father says. Father, the Father doesn't, the Father doesn't, uh, uh, isn't moved by what you see. He's got a supply from what you don't see to meet the need that you do see. So this is, this is pointing us, that 2 Corinthians 4.18 is pointing us in the exact opposite direction that we've always lived. It's a total shift. It's a change of priorities. It's a change of focus. It's a change of understanding. So Paul is giving us post-resurrection while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen, the same thing that Jesus delivered in Matthew 6.33, we seek first the kingdom. So Jesus is saying, you put your focus on that kingdom that is not seen, because that's where the resources are. Everything that pertains to life and godliness has been placed in the kingdom, exactly as it was for Adam in the garden. Everything that Adam needed to exist and to flourish and prosper was in the garden. Everything that you and I need to flourish and prosper is in the kingdom. So if we're going to function in these two dimensions with the proficiency that Jesus did, able to meet needs, then we're going to have to learn to live out of the stronger of the two and begin to give it the priority of the way that we live. Right? The, the stronger of the two, let me just tell you, is that eternal dimension, the unseen. Now, I, I, I like to draw a line from that between the two. Of course, there is no line. But above that line, I like to put the unseen, the eternal, uh, the resource that is completed. And then below the line, we put everything that is temporary. We put that, the, the, the seen. Uh, for for the, just the purposes of teaching, I... I like to draw a line, and as I said, and this is where I'm going to review a little bit, once you draw that line, then you can get a revelation for illumination. In other words, you separate the eternal from the, from the temporary, or what is above the line from below the line, so that you can understand fully the function and the purpose of both of those dimensions. So we, we want to get a revelation for illumination. We want to be able to see with, with, with uh, accuracy and begin to place, and I may repeat myself on this, but when situations and circumstances come up, you need to learn whether they go below the line or above the line. And once you make that determination, then you know whether you should focus on it, give it priority, or you should not be focused on it. So once we get a revelation for illumination, then we can begin to 
give a separation for clarification. In other words, we can define the two dimensions and bring the two dimensions into focus and see them clearly and know just what is of what dimension. Then the last thing we can do is bring a unification for cooperation, which fits the prayer that Jesus prayed. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's bringing that, that unseen to the seen, the visible uh, to the invisible, right? He's marrying the two together. And he said, this is what I want you to pray. I want you to pray that you can be able to function, that you can move back and forth between the two dimensions. So as sons of God that are manifesting, we have the privilege. We have the privilege of living above the line in a world that is drawn below the line. So again, when circumstances happen, when you think you're, you're going through something, that's difficult. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If you're coming through that valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to tell you right now, that is not above the line. That's below the line. We walk through it. It shall change. It will pass at some point. Now, the way that you come through it, the way you keep walking is you draw from that which is above the line. Now, because we tend to think in concepts, it helps, it helps to look at those three separations there. Uh, just to help us get a, a little bit better grasp and make things a little bit easier. So as 2 Corinthians 4.18 indicates those things that are above the line, the invisible, the eternal, the changeless, timeless, the realm of spirit, the realm of God's absolutes, no time above the line, the realm of ultimate reality. See, now do you understand why you, you want to begin to focus on this? It's the place where everything is finished. Everything is settled. It's the realm of I am, where things simply are. And this realm, realm below the line, in the visible, the temporary, is ever-changing. Paul said, subject to change. Temporal. Subject to change. Paul might call it this age. Uh, it's the place of, of, of um, matter and appearance. It's the place that has a beginning and an end. It's where you live in past, present, and future. It's where you express the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The unseen is I am. The seen is I am becoming. The unseen is objective. The seen is subjective. There's a verse in, in Hebrews that might help you to get a grasp on this. Hebrews chapter 10. Let me come over here just for a second. Hebrews chapter 10, and um, let me get here. Let me just get this nailed down to you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Now, this, this, uh, this shows you the two realms, right? two dimensions. One life, two dimensions. For by one offering, he has perfected, above the line, those that are being sanctified below the line so he says he says in essence there was one offering made and in, in, in that one offering he has perfected objective everyone that is subjective being perfected do you see that does, does that revelation give you some illumination so you're in the world but you're not of the world jesus said i am from above you're from beneath 
But when you learn to tap in to be as he is in this present world, then you begin to move your focus in your life above the line absolutely as well. All right. I hope we're making some, some headway on this. Both dimensions are important because the, God created both dimensions. God created everything that you don't see. All right? Everything you'll ever need in your life. Every uh, uh, resource that you're going to need to pull from, he has created it. It's, the problem is, as I keep reiterating, it's invisible. You can't see it. But he also created that realm through which you can see. So we want to be like Jesus, right? This is part of being as he is. And flow from one realm to the other as needs arise. When Jesus was moved with compassion, compassion is a below-the-line emotion. It's a below-the-line feeling. He met the need that was below the line with the resources that were above the line. He was able to, to reach into that realm and pull it in. He was highly sophisticated, highly developed in it. Now, if you listened to the last three weeks when I talked about the recipe to uh, co-create, I gave you some testimonies, and my testimonies were not instantaneous. It, 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 they, I went through a process that the Father revealed to me to tap into. And it started with uh, a thought from the mind of Christ. Then I developed that thought in my imagination. I, I put the arms and the legs, the skin on it. I saw it exactly as it was to be, and then it dropped into my heart. And there it grew, and it matured. Then at some point in time, I knew that I knew that I knew, and I used my words to speak out of the abundance of my heart. And that word carries a, a powerful creative force. Now, if that sparks your interest, go back and listen to the three. In fact, if you listen to them, you should go back and listen to them again. Jesus was adept at pulling from the unseen to meet the needs in the scene. For example, here's what he said, Luke chapter 4. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, Luke chapter 4, because it just details down the mission of Jesus. But I, I want to emphasize here, the need that the person has was in the scene. But Jesus is going to meet the need from an eternal dimension. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. You have an anointing. See, that anointing enables you to live in two dimensions. The anointing is not from a seen realm. The anointing is from an unseen realm. Uh, John says that you have an anointing and you don't need anybody to teach you, but the Spirit itself will teach you. That's not arrogance. That's just learning to pull from one place to another. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is by me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, the, to, the, the gospel to the poor is you don't have to be poor anymore. Poor uh, financially. Uh, emotionally, uh, physically. You don't have to be poor. Now, how's he going to meet that need? He's going to meet the need from the unseen. As he does, there's, there's, there's uh, six or seven things here that he says, if you have a need in the seen, I'm going to give you. You don't have to receive it. You don't have to believe for it, pray for it. I'm going to, I'm going to impart it to you. Preach the gospel to the poor. Set me to heal the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted is a reflection of living here. How's he going to heal you? He's going to pull the healing from what you don't see and apply it to what you do see. 
Proclaim liberty to the captives. Being a captive is in the scene realm. Recovery of sight to the blind. Blind is, whether it's spiritual or physical, it's here and now. To set at liberty those that are oppressed. How many people are living in oppressions today? And Jesus said, I'm going to set you free of that. And the way that he did it was through the anointing, pulling from an unseen to the seen to meet the need. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which is an allusion to the uh, he's speaking allegorically, metaphorically, to the year of Jubilee when every need would be met. If you were in debt, you're out of debt. What property you lost would be returned to you. So he's going to supernaturally, we call it supernaturally. And, and, and the more we get into this, the more we see it's not supernatural. It's just above the temporal scene dimension. And because we've never learned how to tap into it, we've called it, we've called it supernatural. So separation for clarification tells us that there are two dimensions. So we're separating those right now. We're, we're, we're clarifying. We're making some distinctions. One is greater. One is eternal. And when we focus on, when we manifest from above the line, the greater of the two. Jesus knew he was from above. Jesus knew he was from above. I think I, I might have already quoted to you John chapter 8, verse 23. Let me just hop over there. John chapter 8 and verse 23. Jesus says, You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I mean, how much more can Jesus draw a distinction in saying, Okay, my identity is not in this world. And our identity is not in this world. Our identity, authentic identity is image and likeness of God. That's from an unseen dimension. But it's been imprinted indelibly upon your inner man. That's who you are. Always been. You were not born with a sin nature. You were born with a God nature. You were born right, upright, standing before God, holy and blameless before him in love. So he said, I'm not of this world. That's the dimension that Jesus lived while he was on the earth. All right, let me uh, come over a little bit to the right. John chapter 17, that famous prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. Let's just pick one or two things out of here real quick. John chapter 17, and let me read verse 14. Here we go. He said, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. It's taken us 2,000 years to understand and realize and accept, repent, change your mind, that we're not of the world. We're from another dimension. You're a new creation. You are a species of being that never inhabited the planet pre-cross. Can I tell you that? I hope that shocks you. Hope that messes with your, your mind a little bit. You're a new creation. Old things passed away. All things have become new. And part of the new that has come is your ability, your power, your authority to function in a scene from the unseen. He said, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. Have your feet on terra firma right here on planet Earth, but that you should keep them from the evil one, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of self-determination, the tree of I am God. I can de decide what I want to do, don't want to do, what is right and what is wrong. 
He said, I'm not of this world. He said, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. So as that word of truth hits us, which you can't see it, but it begins to apply within you and then it manifests on the outside. So think about this for just a minute with me. At the appointed time, the I am, the one who said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. He came from above the line to below the line, from the unseen to the seen. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. He made his entrance. He, he crossed from one dimension to another dimension. And it, in, a, in, in, in many respects, you did too. John chapter 1 verse 14, Jesus said, or John said, and the word became flesh. The word became the word, the invisible, the logos, the creative force of the universe, all of a sudden showed up on the scene. So the unseen came to the scene and he dwelled among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and, and, and full of truth. So here we've got this changeless, timeless one becoming seen in a temporal man. Jesus' flesh was just like your flesh. His ears looked like your ears. He functioned as you function as a man. Paul said that he came and he emptied himself. The word's kenosis. While he walked those 33 years, he took his divinity, emptied himself, and walked as a man. He experienced everything that you did. He absolutely did. He experienced growth as a child and as an adult. Let me, let me draw a line of distinction here for you. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This is some good teaching this morning, and I'm getting through it really well. Matter of fact, I may end up a minute or two earlier than I usually do, but I think uh, as I unload all this, that, that's probably fine if I do. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. I want you to see the development of Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. And the child grew. Now, the word child there is the word pation. A napias is an infant. A pation is like a toddler, a, a, a young child. A technon takes in more of those that are teenagers, and a weas is a mature son. So he said, and the pation grew and became strong in spirit. This is, this is where you're at. You're beginning stronger and stronger in spirit. Maybe when you came to the digital cathedral, you began to follow uh, at the secret place, or you got a revelation of the things we talked about earlier of your authentic identity and the fatherhood of God and the inclusion of all mankind and mercy that endures forever. You, you got a revelation of those. Man, you start to grow by leaps and bounds. And that's exactly what this verse is saying about Jesus. You can relate to this. He grew strong in spirit. He grew strong in what you don't see. He grew strong in, in feeding from the tree of life. Jesus did not get hooked. This is the power of the last Adam over first Adam. First Adam got hooked into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Last Adam says, no, thank you. Remember when he was tempted? He always came back and said, and he says, it's written. It's written. It's written. He was pulling from the unseen to overcome the temptation. Whoa, that could be a whole teaching right there. Your ability to pull from the unseen to overcome the temptations or the pulls that are in the scene. He grew strong in spirit. 
filled with wisdom. You can't see wisdom. It's above the line. And the grace, you can't see grace, it's above the line, of God was upon him. Man, that's, that's all you need. That's all the equipping you need right there. If you're saying that as he is, so am I in this world, then you're becoming strong in spirit. You're being filled with wisdom. And the grace of God is upon your life. A guy the other day said, man, I really struggle with this word grace because in my background, it's like some were favored and some not favored. The universality of grace. That's why I love that term direct deposited. The Father has just direct deposited into your life. Now, you can, learn, you can grow in it or you can remain uh, an infant. You can remain a pation. Jesus did not remain a pation. In, in Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, uh, I'm sorry, not 18, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. It says, though he was a son, speaking about Jesus. Now the word son there is the word weas. It's a mature son. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And he doesn't mean he, you know, got sick, doesn't mean he uh, caught a disease. What it means was he, he learned his obedience through the things from the below the line that pushed against him. So when you're a weos and you've, you have got some revelation for illumination of what is above the line, what is below the line, which one has your focus, which one has, has your attention, a focused attention, focused intention, either however you want to look at it, once you, once you recognize that and you, you've separated them, you clarified it, you say, when things come to you, you say, okay, this, this is below the line, man. This is a need that I can meet from above the line. I'm feeling brokenhearted. Well, there, there is a resource above the line that you can bring. You're, you, you're feeling poor in spirit. You're feeling poor financial. What, he's, the gospel, the gospel is above the line. It will address that. I, I think it's really important, and I probably failed to emphasize that in the three-part teaching on the recipe to be a co-creator. I probably did not emphasize that enough to recognize when things come to you in life, where, what is the root of it? Where's the source of it? Is it above the line or below the line? When you're learning how to walk in the Spirit, when you're learning how to eat from the tree of life, man, that's above the line. So when revelation comes, you're growing in grace, you're growing in knowledge. You can recognize, you can see pretty simply that's, that's from an unseen dimension. That's from an invisible realm. That's strengthening you. That's adding to you. Well, when things come to you that are trying to detract from you, Jesus called it killing, stealing, and destroying. Didn't mean somebody's holding a gun to your head, but those things that are below are trying to pull from you as they did Jesus in the wilderness. Those, those temptations were all below the line. They were all temperate. They changed, didn't they? Jesus met it with above the line, and it stopped. It, they were eliminated. They, they, did, they didn't have opportunity to come back again. So Jesus successfully, here's the point. The things that he suffered, his senses experienced. I think that's the way I'd really like to nail it down. The things that he suffered are the things that his five physical senses brought to him. His feelings, his emotions, his mind, his passions. Every passion you have, 
Jesus experienced. If he didn't, then he could not be tempted in all points like we are. He had to have a desire to have a temptation. But Jesus successfully lived from above the line to meet the needs that he was experiencing below the line. He was functioning in two realms. And he brought those two realms into one so that he could move back and forth and meet the needs that he had. So as we develop his sons, here's the point of the teaching this morning. As we develop in son, sonship, daughterhood, from Napias to Pation, Technon, Weas, and even become a patier, a father in the faith, and one that other people draw from, we're going to grow and develop. Now, many people have never divided. They, they don't understand unseen from seen, visible from invisible. And so they, they live their life like this. They live it up and down. And the reason they do is they've never merismos. They never separated uh, the two realms, the two dimensions. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Not talking about the Bible. Talking about the word God speaks to you. Dividing in two that which is above, that which is below, that which is visible, that which is invisible. Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Right? So let, let it divide. Let it bring revelation for illumination, separation for clarification, because the end game is to bring them back unification for cooperation. Now listen to me. As you develop in sonship, and you're moved, you've moved out of that place now of infancy where, where most of your Christian friends are today because they've never been taught the things I'm teaching you. So they, they eat some from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then they run over to the tree of life, try to get uh, their needs met, beg, plead God to help them with what they're focused on in the below the line, which never should have had your focus. When the, when the plan is to simply bring us to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, which is one that lives totally above, live from the tree of life, and Jesus realized exactly what I'm teaching you this morning. In John chapter 17 and verse 16, did I read that already? Well, it's good stuff. Let me, let me just hit it again. Because Jesus fully realized it. Jesus could stand back. And, and once, you, once you see what I'm telling you, you can stand back. And you can watch the unseen try to dominate the scene, or you can watch the uns you can watch the scene try to rise up and say this is this is reality. This is the way that it really is, and then the unseen to say, wait a minute, my God shall meet all of your needs according to His riches above the line in glory. You can actually watch the wrestling match. It's like watching the wrestling match between your spirit and your soul. Spirit, many of these are led by the spirit of God above the line. They're sons of God. So we're being led that way, being led by the tree of life. Over here, you got a, you got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is how you've been uh, groomed. Culture has uh, imposed on you. Everybody that you know lives by what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So you, you can step back and watch. And as you grow as a son, that above the line tree of life spirit is going to begin to take priority and dominance. Jesus said this. Jesus knew where he came from. So what I'm teaching you is to hammer down the dimension, the reality that you can live from to overcome in all things. 17 verse 16. They are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Jesus fully recognized that. In, in Colossians chapter 3 
in, in verse 1, Paul said, if you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So Paul, Paul is saying the same thing. Paul just nailed it. He said, keep seeking those things. The new creation is absolutely from above. Well, I've got I've to start winding this down. Let me just say this. Never doubt that you're not complete in him because you are absolutely complete in him. Anything that would tell you you're not complete in him is from the visible, below the line, sense realm. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Anything that tells you you're not righteous is from below the line. Don't focus on it. You say, but man, I'm, I messed up. Don't focus on it. it this is, he's not about behavior management. He's not about uh, trying to control your actions. He's about the inward spiritual development that will catapult you to living the life as Jesus lived, which is one life, two dimensions. I'm talking to you about realities above the line, in the kingdom, in the realm of the spirit. That's the, that's the place you want to live from. It's unchanging. And when it's unchanging, it brings security. We're learning how to draw from it when we realize our identity as new creations, as sons and daughters that he birthed with no effort, no pump, no push, no pull. As they say, it is what it is. And you is, brother. So what you put to your I am, whatever you say after I am, should reflect your life from above the line. Amen? All right, I think that's just about it for today. I'm just about on target with my time. So I hope you got something from this. Go back and listen to these things again. And don't forget, pick up that book on Galatians. I think you're going to like it. It's a great uh, book for a group study, home home group or whatever you're, you're involved with, I think it's, it's a book whose time has come. Might be the most important, impactful book that I've written to date. Thank you for listening. Uh, go back, meditate, ponder some of this, and just get so drenched in it that you will, as Peter said at the start of the teaching today, you'll grow in knowledge and wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ in his grace. Amen. See you next time. Thanks for lending us your ears. Just a quick reminder, our digital cathedral on YouTube gives subscribers the privilege of a front row seat every week. It's a place where our collective excitement amplifies. If you're ready to give, go to donkeithley.com and click on Donate. Your continuous support propels our growth, and for that, we're immensely grateful. Don't forget to hit that follow button and spread the love by sharing this life-giving message with your friends. Have a week filled with blessings and divine encounters. Until next time, stay in grace.